The Mysterious Circumstances podcast is hosted by Justin Rimmel. This is an American Crimecast production. Visit us at our new home at accproductions.org. Remember, everyone is innocent until proven guilty in a court of law. Most of you know by now, at 10.20 this morning, we made a positive ID. He's going to be caught someone, somewhere, somebody's seen something or heard something so we could solve this case and my little girl can get justice. What told me to do when I go inside to see her is not to scream and disturb the rest of the people inside the building. And they also told me I couldn't pick her up and hold her because if I did, her little head would fall off. So all I was able to do was hold her little hands and touch her little face and kiss her on her lips and told her that everything's going to be okay because Mommy found you. Sorry. And one thing that that day, that I, last day I took her shopping, she had to cry about this. So uh, she come up to me. She went back there and got a deal of chocolate milk. She didn't ask me if she could have it. She just get up there and hand looked up there and looked at me in those little puppy dog eyes, like, "Granny, can I have this?" And I told her no. Then I had chocolate milk at home right there that I could make her right there. And to this day, I wished I had bought that chocolate milk for her. I know after, she, excuse me, after she was, you know, she was gone right there. Just that fair one little thing alone was I had to go to counseling for that because it was about to kill me. At the time, it was important. Amber desperately needs justice. And as her mother, I'm not going to give up. I still have hope that he will be caught one day. And, and to Amber's killer, you know, I just have a few questions for you. So, you know, why did you take my little girl why did you touch her in the where you were not supposed to why did you terrify her why did you take her clothing from her and most of all why did you kill my little girl my little girl is a nine-year-old innocent little girl she loved playing with her barbie dolls she loved playing with her little brother ricky and most of all i want one question from you and hoping that I can get the answer is, how could you look in my little girl's tearful eyes and do what you did to her? Welcome to the podcast. Today, we have a very unfortunately sad story. Um, it is the a Amber Hagerman story. And for those of you who don't know, Amber Hagerman is the reason uh, for the Amber Alert that we have nowadays. Today, joining me is Brandy. And, uh, Brandy, would you like to say hello and introduce yourself? I'm Brandy. Uh, I'm from, well, I live, I'm from Chicago, but I live in Texas, and I'm familiar with the Dallas-Fort Worth area. I don't live there, but I'm familiar with Arlington. Um, so 
I can give a little bit of insight on the case in that aspect. Ever since I was a little kid, I always loved cops. I love the theme music that started it off, so that was super awesome. I used to jam out whenever that would come on, yeah. on the TV. Who did? And that's what started it. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I remember. I still watch that show sometimes just for the entertainment oh. value of it. Oh. You know. <laughs> Totally. Can you catch it? Uh, an episode from the 90s? Their cars and their yeah, attire? It's hilarious. <laughs> the yeah. shit I used to wear in the 90s, man. Ugh. <laughs> if I could go back in time and kick my ass, I would. I guess that'll probably be the more lighthearted part of this episode is talking about our, our fashion regrets of the 90s and shit. But I guess uh, let's go ahead and and set the pace here brandy why don't you let us know a little bit about about the background of all this sure sure absolutely so the amber alert system here in the u.s um is from the abduction kind of stemmed from the abduction of uh amber renee Hagerman, who is a nine-year-old who was abducted in uh in arlington texas which arlington texas is just west of dallas and east of fort uh fort worth Arlington's almost dead center, and uh, there's like an Interstate 30 that goes right through it, east and west, and then there's also Highway 360 that runs north and south, and it's very close to this area, and we'll kind of go into um, how those freeways kind of most likely gave an opportunity for a quick getaway. So back in the 1950s, 1990s, Arlington experienced a population growth. Due to the automotive industry, uh, General Motors um, assembly plant was stationed in Arlington, and the aerospace development in that area also contributed to the population growth. So the population in the 1990s was between about 200,000 to 300,000. Although the, uh, the settings of these events happened in a neighborhood, the thought process was that there was workers and, and drifters in the area mm-hmm. um so undocumented some documented yep. um so we'll kind of go into that as well but basically this covers a young nine-year-old girl who just wanted to go riding her bike with her brother and um unfortunately she didn't listen to her mom her mom's like hey you guys can go ride your bike around the block and she went uh, a little bit further. She went into an abandoned grocery store's parking lot. Her brother said, you know, hey, we're way too far. I'm going to head home. And so he, he went ahead and head home. Meanwhile, she was abducted within this time frame. And by the time he makes it home, you know, they're kind of like, you know, where's your sister? So that's kind of the basis of how this all goes. Now, just to give you a little bit of uh, background about the the actual Arlington area. Arlington, because it's a uh, northern Texas, it gets a little bit cooler. They have cooler win- winters, and sometimes they get snow. So this was actually the first day that they actually had good enough weather for the kids to go outside and play it. And like super rainy, super cold, all the days leading up to this. And this was the day that they kind of had a break in the weather, and that's why the kids decided that they were going to go out. So, and we'll kind of go over a little bit of that as well. There's also, we have uh, a little bit of background on the mother and the father. Donna Whitson Norris is the mother, and the father is Richard Hagerman. Uh, Donna and Richard 
were actually separated at the time of Amber's abduction. A little bit of back history on that was they actually got married when Donna was really young. She was 19 years old when they got married, and Richard was 36 at the time. Um, All right. <laughs> yeah, it's, <laughs> it's a little uh, age difference there. A little bit. So Donna, as a teen, she actually had an illness, um, and she it, it paralyzed her from the waist down. And um, just through therapy, and uh, she was able to recover from that. And she actually was told that she would never be able to have children. So when she got pregnant with Amber, she, I mean, this was just you know the greatest gift because she just she just did not think that she was going to be able to have any children at all. So it was just truly a blessing. And so uh, Donna went on to have um, Amber's brother Ricky, in which everybody calls Bubba. Mm-hmm. from Texas. <laughs> Every, <laughs> is Bubba. Every little boy is Bubba. Whether you know their name or not, Bubba is like, hey, Bubba, give me that, you know, or hand me that or something like that. And they're going to respond. It just is what it is. So basically what it was is uh, she was kind of on her own. She was going through a hard time financially. The local television station, uh, WFAA, which is an ABC affiliate, they were actually filming a series on the Hagerman family and welfare reform. At the time, so they had video footage of the mom, the daughter, and then the son, and how their lives were, you know, working through the system. And she's, you know, trying to get into school and trying to make a, yeah. a better life for kids. And she, and, um, she was I the mean, definition of just like just the iconic single mom coming from the bottom to the top. You know what I mean? Or you know, trying to get there, but. It was it was actually when I was reading about her mother, I was just like, you know, my mom raised five of us pretty much by herself and it was like I could really you know, not to interrupt you, I could really feel like, you know, it's just extremely admirable because you don't see it very often nowadays. Sure, sure. I mean there was just such a passion there that she had for her kids. Like even in the video footage of this reporter, which was a reporter, um, Pam Curry, she was actually the one that was filming the series that featured them. You could just see how proud she was of her children. And in in some of the footage, they show the reporter, you know, um, sitting down at the at the table uh, with the family, going over what they've done today in school and their accomplishments. And it was just such a a loving you know household that she had going there. I mean, even though they didn't have the funds, I mean, it was it was just so impactful to see that video footage um, of how this family was just kind of dealing with it and, and they were doing their best and, um, and it was just amazing. It was very admirable. So, I mean, she's got, she's awesome. So Amber, she's showing field day ribbons, AV honor roll from the school. She was a Brownie girl scout. She loved Barbies and Pocahontas. So normal, average, kid just sweet as can be and uh she just adored her mom i think in all the video footage that i saw she referred to her as mama and Mm -hmm. she referred to her brother as bubba and bubba referred to her as sissy and it was just i mean you just there's just so much love there you know it's just endearing little little nicknames that they had for each other and they were very close to the grandparents so amber was actually abducted after she went to grandparents' house yeah. um, that morning, or that afternoon, rather. The tough thing about this is I, 
I was two seconds away from driving all the way to Arlington so that I could take a look at, yeah. at map it out. And I, I did get an opportunity to kind of look at the homes in the area. And they they were, you know, uh, definitely working, working neighborhood, you know. Yeah, yeah. And just a lot of a lot of good folks. There was an elementary in the neighborhood. There's a middle school not too far. Like, there's just... Everything's kind of within walking distance. The crime rate was not very high mm-hmm. in that area. There was just like a pinch of little things here and there, but for yeah. the most part, it wasn't it wasn't anything to be alarmed about. And and like any good mother says, hey, you guys can go ride your bike, go down the block, but don't go too far. I can almost hear her because you hear every mama say that. Uh, yep. Go too far. Don't go where I can't see you, and stay together. I mean, yep. that's just. A given. So yep. they decide, you know, it's after Christmas. They can finally get their, their their bikes out. She actually went missing on January 13th of 1996. Um, so this is right after Christmas. This is finally they're getting the let up on the weather a little bit. And uh, she gets an opportunity for her and Bubba to go riding down the block. And um, unfortunately, it takes a, a pretty sad turn. So if you look at Amber, I mean, just envision, you may want to close your eyes. If you're driving, don't close your eyes. But <laughs> if you look at... <laughs> Please don't. <laughs> uh, Amber, sweet little nine-year-old girl. She's like 4'11", so she's itty-bitty. She's approximately like 1.5 meters for international. She's about 80 pounds, so 36 kilograms. She's fair skin. She's got freckles. And she's a brunette, and she's got these bangs that hang right by her eyelashes. Yeah. Um, that particular day, she uh, she had a ponytail. She was wearing pink jeans, and she had a gray shirt that had, like, different colored little handprints on it. And, uh, you know, just sweet little kid wanting to go ride her bike. Totally innocent, you know, just living the life. Yeah. Happy as can be to be able to go visit her grandparents and go ride her bike. I'm sure in the car they were just ecstatic that they were going over to grandma and grandpa's house. And as soon as they pull up, I you can just hear them. I want to go ride my bike, you know, because it was Amber's mother, brother, and Bubba all arrived at, at the grand, grandparents' house about 3 o'clock, and that was off of Highland Drive. Now, Amber and Bubba went to go ride their bikes about 3.10, so they were real excited. Oh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm sure they were just bouncing in their seats on the way up. <laughs> I know that there. feeling. I know that feeling. It's like, let's get to Grandma's house. Yeah, absolutely. And the weather was, was great. It was a Saturday. The weather was clear. It was 78 degrees. So oh, perfect. Yeah. perfect. Yeah, which is about 25 Celsius. Um, it was around 3 p.m., you know, mild wind. The, the the week the week leading up to the abduction the highs were like 30 Fahrenheit or negative one Celsius so it was it was pretty darn cold the temperatures dropped you know rain and all this stuff so they get this one day this one day to go to grandma and grandpa's house and go ride these bikes and um, they just you know hop on their bikes and they're heading down the street and Bubba knows that. Mama just said, don't go too far. And Amber, being the older child, she was not at the time. I was like five. Mm-hmm. So he's he's following Sissy because he you know trusts her as the responsible one. 
And so she she's heading off, and then he gets that feeling, we're going too far. I'm going to head back, you know? John, well, I'm just going to ride here, because an, uh, an old grocery store, which is an old Winn-Dixie, has so much room in this parking lot. I'm oh, not yeah. sure they're busy <laughs> doing donuts oh, in yeah. that parking lot. Popping wheelies, <laughs> man. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, that uh, that parking lot, it, it's kind of... Um, off of a, a busier road than the residential. So they're thinking, you know, yeah. I've got this wide open space and I'm just going to gun it. <laughs> and uh, Bubba heads back home. You know, as soon as he comes into the door, they're like, where's your sister? Where is she at? He immediately says, well, she went over to the parking lot. Grandpa jumps in the vehicle and goes and heads up to the parking lot. Meanwhile, you know, there's a, there's an individual that's standing within earshot. This gentleman hears this child scream and sees a, a black truck pull up to her, basically just pull her off her bike, and she's, she's screaming. And I know she was raised right, so she was probably kicking and screaming. She was. She was. Throws her, in the tr- throws her in the truck and takes off. Well, this gentleman that's the eyewitness gets an opportunity to get to, to get a description of, of this guy. And all that he can figure is that he's probably in his 20s. He's either a white male or he is a light-skinned Hispanic male. Didn't get a license plate, unfortunately. This, uh, this gentleman, you know, he was just standing in his backyard and he had a straight view for it and he saw Amber riding up and down. She was by herself and then, you know, mm-hmm. here comes the pickup out of nowhere. And I and honestly, thank God he was out there. I mean, seriously. Because yeah. had he not been out there, even though the kidnappers never never been caught, uh well, the murderer I should say yeah. has never been caught, at least they have something. They have something. They so do. he he takes off, and this this gentleman, uh, Jim Kevill is his name. Mm-hmm. He takes off. He he calls authorities because a young girl screaming, <laughs> yeah, being forced not to gonna fly. This, this gentleman is seventy eight years old. Yep, and he does not hesitate. He, he he doesn't hesitate. He doesn't second guess. He doesn't care if he's wrong. He's calling the police. So by the time. Grandpa comes from the from the house to the Winn Dixie parking lot. The police are already there, which mm. is amazing. It is amazing. impressive. It the way the authorities handled this. I mean, within what two days they had eighty investigators on this case. Just, Absolutely. I mean, it was amazing, amazing. Yeah. If anybody were to have a, a parent of a missing child, this is the reaction that you want from local law enforcement, from the community. Oh, the from whole... the entire community. The whole community, like... And, you know, there's not too many good things that are going to come out of something like this, but seeing the way the Arlington community and the police pulled together, and, I mean, just random people, like... The, the person who came up with the Amber Alert idea wasn't even a relative of Amber's. Right. It was a mom from fort worth texas named diana simone and she's like that you know this happened because peeps people didn't come forward and probably didn't realize what they were seeing and 
you know this there's no excuse for it and i mean we'll get into some more of the details of why she was saying that here in a little bit but um go ahead and continue i just had to i mean it's the way the authorities handled this was was great and it's yeah is right on point yeah it, it absolutely was and the community as a whole so automatically they start printing up flyers and they've got a description of everything and anything what she was wearing they start the community starts uh tying uh pastel pink ribbons to the trees they're 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 posting missing uh flyers in storefronts the parents are on the news um although amber's um parents were separated the father was very much involved mm-hmm. in everything i mean just superstar parents i mean they just came together, put all differences aside, yeah. and we're done. You know, like let's focus on on this on this baby. They they're they're working. I'm sure that they're not sleeping. Their hearts are sinking. They're just you know praying for this uh, for their for her safe return. They're pleading on the news for her to have a safe return. And honestly, there's tips that come in, tips that come in, but nothing that's solid nothing mm-hmm. like panning out yeah. it's just kind of a lot of hearsay and um and so what they did is there's actually a, a laundromat or um here sometimes they call them wash materials whatever you want to call it so it's basically a place that you go and you wash your laundry so they have washers and dryers in there and uh, this uh, particular laundromat was kind of uh, i mean it had quite a few people in it at the time it did and so was that there was maybe some people that were immigrants that didn't have a status here for the U.S. And they may have saw something and they just didn't say anything. Yes. Uh, Unfortunately happens. Yeah. Yes. Um, I don't know. Just to, I suppose, elaborate on, on some of the details i guess of what we talked about let's see amber amber hagerman's grandmother actually still resides two blocks away from where she was abducted from and the the abduction was right at about 4 p.m on a saturday afternoon this time wise riding a bike it matches up about perfect because of where they were um you know, there the the full service laundry was in the same parking lot as the actual abandoned grocery store, and like you had stated, police do believe that a lot of people left before the cops got there, and they actually did see what happened. And if they did, they would not report it because of their immigration status. Now, Jim Jim Kevill, God bless this man, seventy eight years old, literally the only witness at four o'clock on a saturday afternoon and just to set the tone for everybody listening this intersection there's a reason that they didn't want their kids riding their bikes here this intersection is literally from the north and the south you got two lanes going north two lanes going south with a median in between them now intersecting with that going east and west is also two lanes going to the east, two lanes to going to the west with a median. You know, it was a crime of opportunity. I mean, that was, you know, established pretty fairly fairly on, you know, early on in the investigation because of the 
I don't want to say the escape routes. I hate using that word, but the it was to the advantage of the abductor for sure. But at the same time, you can't honestly fucking tell me that at this certain spot in the city that Jim Kevill is the only fucking person that saw something. Now, what he said he saw, he heard a scream, and he was working in his backyard. He saw this all from his backyard. He was working, doing some yard work. He hears a scream. He looks to see Amber, just like you had said, she was kicking. She was kicking and she was screaming. But it, it just didn't, it didn't do anything. Now, um, the getaway vehicle, um, was a late 80s, early 90s black truck. It was, uh, stated to be a half ton pickup truck, which for those of you who are not from any kind of rural area, you can tell the difference between a half ton and a full ton pickup truck pretty easily, alright? Um, now, like you had said, the, the man was of medium build. Uh, I believe it was, you know, late 20s, early 30s, some, you know, they pushed it all the way to 40. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't think that, I think it was more mid to late 20s, possibly early 30s, white or light, light, uh, colored Hispanic man. I don't know if you want to go if you want me to go ahead and go further into this. Um, yeah, actually, oh, that would be great. okay. So the search, like me and Brandy had said, the search was fucking phenomenal. I mean, this this represents kind of to me as a parent of of two younger children. It reflects a lot of the of the Kyron Horman case that I had covered. The way the authorities handled this, they jumped on it. They were on it within. About two days of her actual disappearance, which was on January 13th, um, uh, a Fort Worth mother by the name of Diana Simone uh, comes forward, and this woman actually reaches out to the radio station saying, hey, you know, we can give out alerts for, you know, tornadoes or, or anything of that nature for weather. Why can't we do this for missing children? And literally her only reasoning was, was because she was following the case and she was a mother. As she's following the case, she could not believe herself that in a busy area like this, that, that Jim Kevill was the only person that saw something. Because in all honesty, like, if I see a vehicle in an abandoned parking lot, I'm gonna I'm gonna immediately direct my attention to that vehicle, whether there's a fucking bike around or whether there's kids around or anything, because something shady as fuck's going on over there, or you know the truck is broken down, whatever the case may be. Now, on January seventeenth, near about midnight, the body of Amber Hagerman was found in a creek. Uh, behind an apartment complex about three miles away from where she uh, was abducted from and she was found with her with her throat cut and completely nude only wearing one sock there was absolutely no physical evidence whatsoever i can't specifically remember the location i do know it was north of the 360 i believe which is one of the highways right there which we were touching base on a little bit earlier which we will hear in a little bit more uh there was no physical evidence other than a couple of fibers found literally that was it and with yeah. only one witness now don't get me wrong we will touch base a little bit in the suspects 
which there's only one really good one that I ever found. And, you know, we'll touch yeah. base on that here in a second. But, but there was absolutely nothing. Um, it is, it, she was, uh, from the medical examiner said that the four days that she was missing, she was sexually assaulted for two of them and yeah. she was dead for the other two. My heart really goes out to this, uh, it was, uh, this gentleman named Stuart Potter. Um, he was just walking his dog. He was, that's all he was doing. So, so this gentleman's at this apartment complex and he, he lives at the apartment complex, which is Forest Hills apartment complex. And he goes out to walk his dog. Now, like I said, it's been winter. So none of the trees around have leaves on it yeah. or anything like that. And it and was he, about, it was about midnight. So, I mean, I'm glad personally that he was even able to see this, you know. Right. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, because she was kind of at the bottom. Yeah. Of this creek bed, this like embankment that's mm -hmm. there, um, you know, and he kind of looked a little closer and saw that you know a, a child's naked body and at the bed of the of the creek, and so you know it had had rained really heavy the day before um, she was found. So they're not a hundred percent sure um, from the research that I did that she was actually like placed in this location or if she kind of drifted there okay but it was uh an absolute blessing that this guy happens to be walking down this path alongside this this creek that backs up to these apartments and it's somewhat paved and there's a little bit of a metal fence that's like high waist but it didn't obscure the view of this of this body that he sees down there and so he kind of looks a little closer and then he's, oh my gosh, you know, that's a, that's a body. And, um, I was watching a, um, an interview and he said, you know, I, I feel like she's part of me now. Yeah. And, and he just said, you know, I'm the one that found her. And so she will always be with me. And so I, I can't imagine how impactful that is to come across something you're innocently yeah. walking by and see something so horrific. Just absolutely horrific. Yeah, as a, I mean, not even as a parent, just as a as a human being in general, I can't, I couldn't even fathom. I would, I can't even fathom. And I, I'll be perfectly honest with you. When I was looking into this, there is more than one time that like, it got to me, and I had to take a step back, sure. because, yeah. you know, kids, man. You know, that's one thing you don't fuck with is kids. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, no. Like, I, I can tell you right now if, like, something like this happened to one of mine and uh, I knew beyond a reasonable doubt who did it, I would uh, yeah. save the state a lot of tax dollars and I would, uh, you know, kiss my family goodbye and I would put a bullet in this fucker's brain. You know what I mean? Without, without even a hesitation. And I would spend the yeah. rest of my life in prison knowing that. I did the world a fucking favor. Yep. Absolutely. And you know what? Hey, forgiveness, you know, fuck that. I mean, you know, I, I don't forgive nobody. Like, fuck that. This, this little girl was, was held alive for two days. For two days. Of just pure torture. It, it, you know, it, it's just, it, it blows my mind with this poor baby 
went through for two days and it yeah there, there's not a lot of um information on that they've released to the public but we do know that she was stabbed multiple times yeah. like you said she was her neck was um sliced i mean nearly to de- decapitation yeah. almost it was to the point where her her mom couldn't even hold her yeah once it was found yeah um you know that that just wasn't her that wasn't just it was a possibility and um you know, just to know that she had been sexually assaulted and she was nearly decapitated, I, I, uh, that just blows my mind. And I know that they said there were some fibers that were found on the bodies, but they didn't lead to to anything. And the technology, even though it was 1996, it wasn't too, too long ago, but it's so advanced now. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's... Yeah. Uh... It was definitely, uh, I don't know, it was it was very intense looking into this, just seeing the details of it and what the family had to go through. Um, before we do start, I guess, touching base on, uh, on our one suspect, why don't you, I know we had talked about it earlier, but the repercussions of the family. Um, her brother, Ricky, is one of the most guilt-ridden people like you will ever see like even 20 years later the dude when they do press conferences i know on the 20th anniversary she didn't even want to do any kind of candlelit vigil because she's she's like it still takes me two weeks to recover from it she's like i can't do it you know and she's like it just takes so much out of out of us emotionally and what she did on the 20th anniversary which is people were really really wanting her to you know, do that visual, especially, you know, because it had been 20 years. Um, she actually penned an open letter to the killer of her daughter and left it at a locked post office or a post mm-hmm. office box where the killer of her daughter could basically go in there, pick it up and read it. Um, the contents of which, even if I could find them, I wouldn't read them. Um, yeah. I, you know, she never elaborated on what she wrote and that that shit is fucking personal. I would not yes. want to read that, you know. Um, and when they did their 20 year uh, press conference, I mean, they're just they're still just fucked up over it. And I mean, you can't really blame them, you know. Yeah, you could just you could totally see it. You could see how how the stresses age them and how oh, it's just yeah. on their heart. I yeah. mean, it. It's just, it's so sad. Um, I know that they've never released the actual murder weapon to the public. Yeah. And, um, and I think in my mind, that's a, that's a key element that there, mm-hmm. it must be something unique. That's kind of what I was thinking too, because I was really looking for any kind of connection to that, to the suspect, because the suspect is very specific. And, there's a lot of little details that match up, but as for physical evidence, they don't have shit. And your train of thought is right on point with mine. That's that's exactly what I was thinking too. So we're so since we're on the subject of, of actual suspects, um, there was a, a suspect that kind of came forward and claimed to be Amber's killer, and I might be messing up his name, but uh, Terrapon. Adhan, yeah. I'm not 100% sure how you say that, but um, he came in, said that he did it, there was an entire investigation, 
I don't know why in the world somebody would want to say that they did something that they didn't do. Uh, you know, I, I've pondered that question, especially when, you know, serial killers claim a lot of, you know, Ted Bundy killed 60 people. He goes in, he says he killed 200. It's... Right. You know, and same thing with false confessions. It's like, dude, if you want to go to prison, just go rob a fucking bank. You know, don't claim fame because here's the deal. At the end of the day, if he would have been convicted for this, he would have fucking died in prison, you know, with very, very short amount of time, especially in Uh, Texas. (laughs) Absolutely. Um, (laughs) You guys don't fuck around in Texas. Yeah. (laughs) Yep, and um, yeah, that would have happened. So, uh, and Huntsville is not very far from Arlington. So, yeah, yeah they and that is the uh, correctional facility that houses um, those with the death the, that are facing death penalty really, so, yeah. uh, that are convicted. Um, so, yeah, that that would have happened pretty quick. They they have no mercy for child killers. Nope. I mean, just yeah. So, um, but. You know, this guy decided to say, hey, I'm the one that killed Amber, put the entire family through, you know, all of the, the emotions and that go through all of that. Mm-hmm. And uh, basically, they figured out that he wasn't even in Texas at the time. Yeah. I don't know if he thought maybe they wouldn't figure that out or something, but he wasn't even in Texas. That's kind of what I was wondering about it, too. It's like, you know, like we were saying, why are you going to take credit for this horrible, horrible crime? that obviously he didn't commit you know what i mean but he was sure shit pretty proud to to take you know credit for but actually it was later found that he had nothing to really do with it so there was also another gentleman named dennis bradford that was identified as a as a a child abductor of of another child and he was thought to have um possibly been amber's abductor as well but he killed he killed himself so mm. that that would never, and there wasn't too much evidence. It was just thought that it was very similar, and that things were coming together, and there was a possibility, but it, it it was never like a conviction, or there was never any charges that were pressed or anything like that. It was just a thought that hey, he abducted this other person, and it was just similar, and then he ended up killing himself. So that kind of went nowhere. But um, you came across a really interesting one, um, Bill Fry. <laughs> oh man like we were talking earlier i do not know how the fuck this guy has not been at least arrested the only thing i could think of is why he really hasn't been arrested in connection with this crime is that they are waiting or they do not have enough evidence to actually prove beyond a reasonable doubt because there really was no physical evidence at the scene and the only witness couldn't really match a description and by the time they found out who bill fry even was the witness was passed away so mm-hmm. basically how this turns out is in february of about 2011 i think is when this all really started getting kick-started uh there was this huge child porn network that was being investigated in in enos texas and bill fry I believe it was his wife at the time and his stepson 
Uh, they are living in an apartment. Believe it or not, they actually gave the, the straight-up apartment number and address of this place, which was, I was like, yeah. there's a little detailed information there, man, you know? Just throw that out there. It's like, hey, go find them, you know? Right. They found information that connected him somehow to the Amber Hagerman uh, murder, the disappearance and the murder. I do not know what this information is. I really tried looking, and obviously it was pretty important if they're keeping, if the cops and investigators are keeping it close to the vest. But basically, Bill Fry, during the time of Amber's disappearance, was known to frequent North Arlington. He was from the area. And the reason he would frequent North Arlington was because he would be picking up prostitutes and whatnot. He was in the middle of a divorce with his then wife, I believe. Now, Bill Fry drove a black GMC 1500. Now, that is a Chevy truck. And for those of you who do know this style of truck, it's a very specific truck when you see it, whether it's from a distance or not, because of the, the shape of the headlights, the box body, the, the tailgate, the bed, I mean everything. You can spot this truck from a ways away. Now, not only did he drive a black GMC 1500, but he also had an apartment near uh, UTA. He had he also had a master key to every vac vacant HUD home in Arlington because what he did was he winterized HUD, HUD homes in uh, Tarrant County. Now, for those of you like and I had to ask Brandy, I was like, what's a HUD home? And I should have known. <laughs> it's uh it's basically subsidized housing for low income families, which is what she was. Now, given the fact that he had keys to every vacant HUD home in the Arlington area, that gives him opportunity to hold somebody captive without any neighbors being able to hear anything or see anything because these houses are vacant. Another good point about Bill Fry is that eyewitnesses actually reported, you know, after this 2011 thing was confirmed, the eyewitnesses confirmed that they had actually at one point seen a pair of girls' panties in his console quote-unquote, covered in blood, and at which point he supposedly had set them on fire afterward and burned them. The problem I have with this, I want to to believe eyewitness, and it, and it says this in actually plural, so it, you know, meaning more than one, I would like to fucking assume that any person with any amount of common sense in their fucking head, if they see something like that in an adult person's vehicle that they're not going to wait x amount of years to fucking report it you know like if i'm close enough to see that in somebody's fucking center council i'm either i'm gonna do something about it immediately whether slash a dude's tire so they can't go anywhere or try to restrain somebody or call the cops immediately or follow somebody or do something so to me personally and this is just my opinion um that for me, I'm 50 50 on actually believing. And I, you know, I hate saying that because there's a lot of other shit that I'm getting, gonna get into about Bill Fry that is fucking weird. But that right there is just personally for me hard to believe that you're gonna see something like that and not report it actually immediately. 
Like I had stated earlier, he was known by his co-workers and relatives to, to frequent the North Arlington area. And he was, while he was going through his uh, divorce, he was up there looking for prostitutes. Now, another little funny fact about old Bill Fry is after Amber's body was found, he abruptly left Texas. He left Texas immediately for, from what we can understand, no reason at all, which is sketchy as fuck. Now, when he returned, he had plastic surgery done to his face to alter his face. Now, he eventually moved to Chino Valley, Arizona in 1998, and even neighbors in Arizona would see him from what I'm reading. Yes, I am actually reading this. I My memory's only so good sometimes, but this, is, this shit is so detailed, so don't judge me. But they would see him religiously washing and vacuuming his black truck all the time, so it's not out of the realm of possibility because humans are creatures of habit. Okay, now if he's doing this shit two years later, there's no reason for anybody to believe that he wasn't doing it while, you know, something was going on with this case. Now, another weird thing about in 1998 about old uh, Bill Fry here is that he was actually indicted for slicing his stepson's throat open with a knife. Obviously, this is the way that Amber was believed killed. I'm not sure if the other stab wounds for Amber came before or after, or if the cutting of the throat was just overkill, but that is a very specific thing. That is like a very specific detail. And the charges were actually dismissed. So, you know, the fuck's going on, Arizona? Like, what are we doing here, you know? Now, you know, above all those, in October of 2011, in Arizona, in Phoenix, I believe, Bill Fry was actually questioned in the murder of a Phoenix girl. So, beyond all of this other shit that you could probably, I mean, granted there's no physical evidence, and this is just not even so much hearsay because there is physical evidence. Dude has a black truck. You know, granted, and, and there's no, forensic-wise, there's there's no connection to him and Amber. It, but at the end of the day, yeah, one coincidence can happen. I mean, the shit does happen. But two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Sure. You know. And the child pornography? The I child mean, pornography. Fucking get on it. You know what I mean? Like, for fuck's sake, like... It, it blows my mind. It honestly blows my mind. And I'm I'm sure there's some really fucking good reason somewhere. And I'm sorry I'm dropping the F-bomb a lot in this episode. But these kids' cases get to me. And they aggravate me. And they make me very, very mad. And I take the shit personally. So for all of you people who do criticize me cussing, I'm sorry. But it is what it is. There better be... Some seriously good reasons for not at least bringing this dude in and detaining him in some way, shape, or form. Because even though you can't, you know, DNA-wise, I'm not that intelligent on. I, I, now that I look back on it, I should have taken some time to research. I do know it is possible to exhume bodies for DNA purposes, but I don't think you can do it to extract DNA 
of somebody else. I'm not a hundred percent sure. That would be something that I'm personally probably going to look into after this. But I mean, all these facts, coincidences, the child pornography, he slit his own stepson's throat in an argument. Charges were dismissed. He gets a facelift. He has plastic surgery done. You know, you got witnesses that say he had a bloody pair of child's panties in his console, at which point he burned them. It's... It's just. I, I, I just don't understand if you saw a bloody pair of children's undergarments in someone's console, if you didn't address it at that moment, let's say that freaked you out and you just yeah. didn't address it, why wouldn't you immediately handle the situation as soon as that person leaves your presence? Why wouldn't you call the police and say, hey, I saw this with my own eyes, yeah. this is a vehicle, this is where the vehicle is parked, or whatever, um, why wouldn't I? I mean, there's just so many opportunities. Why yeah. would you keep that to yourself? And that's that blows the, my mind exactly. And that's why I'm still kind of 50 50 on that that okay. fact right there. You know what I mean? It's kind of weird. It's like, first of all, like, what kind of fucking person are you if you're gonna right. sit here and not report that shit? Like, obviously, you probably knew what the fuck was going on. But at the end of the day, when we actually look at, like, the main suspect, motive and opportunity. He had opportunity. He was in the area. He frequented the area. He knew the area. He knew the highways. He knew where to go. Opportunity, you know, motive. Obviously, the dude is into some serious child pornography shit if there's literally an entire investiga investigation based on his fucking apartment. You know what I mean? Right. With right. which which his wife and fucking stepson were involved in. And, and the fact that he did winterize abandoned HUD homes, he had keys to all abandoned HUD homes in the area. Absolutely. He had Absolutely. the opportunity to do anything he wanted. And to be honest with you, like, be, her, where her body was found behind that apartment complex... It's not hard to believe that he had to be close to the area because at the end of the day, you're either going to walk that shit in the middle of the night and I'm not trying to get like gruesome because granted, I've never done this shit before. You know what I mean? But like common sense, like you're either going to walk the shit in like a duffel bag in the middle of the night over your shoulder, something of that nature. But there's only two fibers found that personally makes me think that she was probably not in a vehicle if she was taken there like by vehicle for very long you right. know because who the fuck's gonna ride around with a dead fucking body in their vehicle just randomly you know and wishing yeah. for the best of luck you know so like i think he lived pretty you know lived or resided close to the area and the abandoned homes just fucking matches that it really really does and it, it does, and and also um, the fact that he's in, they haven't okay. So the police haven't confirmed what the murder weapon was. Yes, he was in construction. Mm. I'm in construction. I'm familiar with the tools that are used in the construction industry. Yes. So that would lead me to believe that whatever the murder weapon was, it wasn't your average weapon. It wasn't your average. You, you know, I think if she was shot or, you know, I mean, we know that the throat was slit, but slit with what? Exactly. You know, are, are we talking about, I mean, there's, there's a lot of sharp objects in the construction industry. So I think, and this is just, you know, trying to piece things together, there had to have been something that, uh, that led them to believe that it was a unique 
tool of some sort yes. that was used to do this. And he had access to it all. Mm-hmm. Now, if we look at, let's say we take Bill Fry off the table and we look at just, you know, a drifter, a drifter, because, yeah. you know, a lot of the things were, a lot of things that came up were maybe drifters in the area that were working in the automotive um, plant or whatever. It's such a horrific crime. And the fact that he kept her alive for two days and then disposed of the body leads me to believe that this person, they had to have been, one, familiar with the entire area. Two, they they had to have had a place where they can kind of keep this confinement. And I'll, I don't know about you, but in, in, in Texas, a lot of drifters or people that are immigrants, um, they don't have the luxury of having their own apartment or having their own home. Or uh, a, a lot of times you will see illegal immigrants that will live maybe, you know, 15 to an apartment. You yeah. know, oh, yeah. there's, there's no, no opportunity for privacy. I mean, no. there really isn't. In... So uh, that's why it kind of just ties back to this other individual. And so, although I've read some articles about, you know, just a, a, a random drifter, this didn't seem like a random act. He no. held her somewhere for two days and yeah. had a place to do that. Yep. And that just doesn't align um, with with an immigrant. Uh, in my mind, it just doesn't. No, I, um, I agree. I agree. The, yeah. And the fact that you had to carry a girl that was still possibly kicking and screaming into a fucking house or someplace and then carry a dead body out. I mean, she was dead for about two days when they found her. So we're not sure how long she was actually at the scene, but you know, window of opportunity time. He had two days to where he had to confine her. He had to be able to carry her in the house to which, unless he knocked her out, she was probably still going to be crying or screaming or somewhat of kicking and the abandoned HUD houses is literally the perfect it place. It yeah. fucking fits. I, I kind of wonder about the um, the two days. Like, is that his his MO to, to hold on to her for two days? Or did the media coverage and the community's involvement urge him to, unfortunately, kill her, you know, I, I mean... You kind of think, okay, was he abducting her and maybe make a, a child, uh, you know, slave or, or yeah. you know, some sort of um, a sexual, you know, slave or something like that? Um, and and was it just too much pressure? Because remember, within minutes, the police were there before Grandpa even got there. Yeah. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. At the abduction. Thank you, so Jim Cavill. Thank you, Jim Cavill. Yes, absolutely. Everyone's posting things. Everybody's rallying around this family and um and just you know i mean there's just her presence is everywhere yeah and he's been what am i going to do exactly yeah that i'm going to do i he's he's panicking he's thinking i just i i took some random kid and and he thought it was going to be hush hush and then here he's inflamed this entire city that's looking for her yeah and unfortunately that's that's the darker half of the media being involved because sometimes you got a 50 50 shot on whether or not that's going to happen um that's right you know i mean it's it's a double-edged sword you know as long as we're i'm pretty good you know talking about bill i guess i mean unless you have anything else to add 
about like theories or anything. Just um, just him in particular because the area where she was abducted offered literally probably the perfect way to get away. Unfortunately, right. um, whichever direction, it didn't even matter. It was just uh, it, it you, was just an yeah. easy get away. It was literally on the corner. He could have gone any any direction whatsoever. And the the witness, I don't even. By the time he went inside and called the cops, the vehicle was gone. He didn't even know the direction he went. Yeah, um, yeah. I really do feel like it was a crime of opportunity. I, yeah. Although that she, she was had some media coverage with with the story. Yeah, yeah. I don't feel like it was a stalker situation. I feel like it was he was irritated. You know, something made him snap. Um, whether it be the you know a relationship or an argument or something like that, and he just thought I'm frustrated. And, you know. It, it might have been a little bit of the, of the weather, too. Hey, I've been cooped up in my house, cabin fever. Let me go find somebody. Mm-hmm. He didn't find, let's say, a, a prostitute or didn't find a, a girlfriend or somebody to call or something. And he, he it was a means of opportunity. You know, he just kind of came upon a little innocent kid and just jumped on it. It's I, I agree 100%. And literally, Bill Fry is the only out of literally three suspects and i believe at this point in time was almost about 21 years now they've had 8000 leads and they still get two to three leads a month on this case um which is is amazing in its own right because amber haggerman is known as arlington's little angel and like you know it's uh great rewards out there there for is her. there is you know, the conviction. I mean, I'm talking nice size rewards, 75, 75 grand. Yeah. I know one company in particular, um, within a week of her, um, disappearance, I believe it was in the first few days, raised $10,000 just right yeah. out the gate. And yeah. that was what we were talking about with the, with the community pulling together in the way that they did. It's fucking amazing. It is. I can't say for certain that Bill Fry is like guilty of sin, but suspect wise, as much as there is to go on and putting the puzzle pieces together, this guy right here, I mean, granted, the media either helped or it didn't with her actual murder. I'm 50-50 on that, but I mean, the pieces, they fit together too good to actually ignore. I totally agree. Yeah. I'm sorry, I was just going to say um, uh, about the community coming together, because remember, the family was um, low income, yes. you know, and so this community came together and they put together a funeral for her. I yeah. mean, we're talking beautiful baby boo casket, a packed church, a plethora of flower arrangements, you know, candlelight visuals. I mean, all of these things, this was just the heart of this community. And I think that that's just so important to, to point out because we unfortunately have missing children in this, you know, in the U.S. right now that maybe don't get the media coverage and don't get the community support. Yes. Um, I got contacted uh, yesterday uh, about one of those cases that, uh, you know, that didn't get any media coverage whatsoever um, that I'm going to be covering. And I had never heard of it. And the person who contacted me is going to, she said she would be willing to co-host with me because she knows the family of the victim and said that the family would actually be willing to be interviewed as well. And it's cases like that. That's like, 
Because she told me, she's like, nobody else will do this because nobody really knows about it. And I, you know, I was, for me personally, like, you know, Amber Hagerman has gotten media coverage even since before she was abducted and unfortunately killed. But everybody's story needs to be told. Absolutely. Because some, because... Yeah, it's yeah. not about it's not about ratings. It's not about whose kid it is. It's like if it was if it was one of our children, then then yeah, I'd be I'd be all over it. But um, there is, like we were saying earlier, one silver lining that came out of all of this. Absolutely, absolutely, and that that is going to be the Amber Alert. Such a blessing, and I know that there's some mixed reviews on on how effective um, it is. But even if even if it's been in effect all these years and it's uh, recovered one child, then to me, it's an absolute success. Now, within days of um, Amber's abduction, like her parents, you know, I, I kind of feel like this kind of leads into, again, back to Bill Fry, but her parents put together, established the uh, PASO, which stands for People Against Sex Offenders, calling basically for laws for, um, for governing the sex offenders. They, were, they collected signatures and, and basically forced the Texas legislature to pass more stringent laws um, to protect their children. So the alerts were actually made manually at first um, to radio stations. But by um, 1998, the Child Alert Foundation created um, its first fully automated system of the alert um, notification system, also known as the Amber Alert. So, so this is named in her honor. Um, you know, some people think it refers to the color of the yeah. signs on the, <laughs> on the road. Not the case. And I don't know about you, but on my cell phone, um, when I first yes. got it, it actually um, already was pre-programmed for any Amber Alerts yes. or, or emergencies to, to come through. You actually have to deactivate it if, if that's what you want to do. Exactly. So, I've, I've actually a- been in a meeting with 10 people once in a conference room. And all of our phones went off at the same time. We knew exactly what it was. And Absolutely. I will never deactivate that. Never, yeah, I, never, ever. When an amber goes off or I'm driving off the freeway, um, you know, and I see a sign, I immediately start looking for yeah. that vehicle. So do because, I. Because, thank you, everybody should. And and honestly, if I, if I saw the vehicle, I, I would be the one to say, I'm calling the police. I'm talking to the mom on the phone, and I'm gonna pull, but I'm gonna follow him. Oh, I'm gonna follow him. Yeah, I'm gonna follow him all fucking day. I will. I'm like, (laughs) I will not necessarily ram somebody off the road because there's possibly a child in there, and it could be the wrong vehicle. But right, I am gonna follow a motherfucker until somebody pulls that fucking vehicle over you know what i mean right absolutely so so amber actually stands for america's missing broadcast emergency response it usually comes on on, um on the tv like on the ticker at the bottom um i've had of course your highway signs. yes no yeah continue i mean the highway signs is a big one for me because if i'm even if i'm driving through a construction zone those fucking lights will change to whatever that amber alert is and it's just like I've, it's awesome. It's 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 now, amazing. Now with the Amber Alert, the the thing is, is that it, it has to meet a, a certain criteria. Yes. Um, in order to be considered an Amber Alert, which was a little bit confusing to me because here in Houston, um, we have unfortunately a lot of sex trafficking um, yeah. of minors here. 
And so, yes, they're reported missing, and we see them on the news, but there's not necessarily always an Amber Alert. So I kind of looked into that. So first of all, um, law enforcement must confirm that there was indeed an abduction. So I think sometimes um, the older kids kind of fall into, well, maybe they ran away. And that's maybe why they don't meet the criteria. Um, the child is at risk of serious injury or death. There is a significant descriptive um, information on the child, the captor, or the captor's vehicle. Or the child must be um, 17 years old or younger. And then it's recommended that um, immediately, um, immediate entry of the Amber Alert data to be in the system um, is putting a system for the FBI. So there's, there's, there's different steps that you have to meet. Now, if for some reason somebody doesn't meet that criteria, there is um, what's called a child abduction response team. Um, and so that can help if they don't kind of fit that criteria. So that, so it's not just kind of lost, you know, there's still going to be a, a task force of people that are looking for your child. Yeah. So I, I just think, you know, it's, it's kind of tricky because if there's not any witnesses, you know, mm -hmm. you might have a description of the child, but you might not have a description of the abductor. Exactly. So. Now, we were talking earlier, how many kids have been successfully returned since the Amber uh, Alert? Um, the most recent data, as of February 24th of 2017, there has been... Um, according to this data, 868 successful recoveries. And um, from what I understand, um, other countries have adopted this. Yes, yes, they have. Program. Yes. Because yeah. internationally, you know, people take hits out of the country yeah. all the time. Yeah. And it's, it's straight up. It's France, Germany, um, England, I know, is one. Canada, um, Mexico. Canada, Mexico, yeah. It's, which is fucking great. Uh, it, it needs to be a world program it, it does it really does so uh, it's kind of um especially with us here in texas we're so close to the border mm -hmm. and so what alert like that goes out it goes out on both ends and so anything anyone any individual passing through the border or checkpoints um there it's alerted you know really? that hey this individual might be transporting this child um to your country and then it's up to them at that point to handle the situation it's just We've all got to work together. We've all got to work together. And I think that Arlington, the community of Arlington, Arlington Police Department are just are, are just absolutely amazing because unfortunately the, the killer has never been caught, but all the effort that was put into it was just amazing. It was, and, and, it was fucking heroic. Yeah, perfectly absolutely. Honest with you. And um, the fact that Amber herself, unfortunately, her passing sparked all of this but it, it wasn't in vain you know i mean there yeah. was there's kids that are alive and breathing today because this horrific thing happened to this little girl and she saved this many other lives exactly and that's literally the only good thing that came out of this but still emotional you know it's funny this one this case was an absolute tough one i mean you you got to think did the pan did the did the killer panic from the amount of media coverage you know yeah. could have been prevented then we've got you know the brother he was five when it happened and he's he, survivor's he guilt still mm -hmm. beats himself up over it and then the mother i mean what within what was it i think two months of mm -hmm. amber going missing 
what was it? It was uh, her fiance at the time was killed in a car wreck. And then two years later in 98, her older sister um, died unexpectedly from a seizure disorder. And then another, what was it, 11 years later, her then husband died of a massive heart attack. Absolutely. It's just like, and how much, and this woman, like we were discussing earlier, in all honesty, she's one of the strongest people. She she literally referred to herself, like in an interview, as just a human voodoo doll. She's like, anything that I love is going to die. So I just need to be alone. Like, I'm not going to love anything else. And it's just like, you know, and she she appreciates the fact that the Amber Alert has saved so many kids, but at the same time, it didn't save hers. Yeah. Yeah, you're absolutely you know. right. And that that's, it's, it's just, it's so tough. And if you, if you, if you watch the footage of this family and the way that they interact, I mean, this, this lady, that child, her, her both of her children were just her world. They were, the, that, yeah. Yeah, she just, she didn't have the means to financially um, give them maybe some of their wants. And so she's putting stuff on like layaway. Yeah. She's forecasting, I mean, layaway for this baby girl for her birthday. She loved Pocahontas, Disney, Disney's Pocahontas at the time. I mean, she put on layaway bed sheets for this baby, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and she, she throws her this birthday party and Amber's opening these bed sheets and she's almost in tears because it's her favorite character. I mean, she is just blown away that her mom was able to get these for her. And it's um, just so impactful, the the love and the bond between these two. You know, that love can never be separated. No. It, it, you know, it, it's just not going to be separated. Yeah. I will say something, and this might be a little bit creepy, but I'm going to no, go ahead go, and say go it. Go ahead, say what you got to uh, say. <laughs> um, you know, I, I, I almost want to send, like, a message to the killer. Because, you know what? This guy is Googling it. This guy is... You know he's up You know he's, he's up to date with what the fuck's going on. Yes, because this wasn't the... I, I firmly believe that if this indeed was the first time, he's got to be the luckiest man on earth to have not been caught. I don't, if, it, I don't think it was the first time, and that's another reason why Bill Fry strikes me as odd, because him actually being connected and questioned in another child's murder. That's right. And so, so, so this isn't his first time. This isn't his last time. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to say this right now that I know that he, with technology today, you kind of want to see where things are at. And yeah, this is a real popular case. And, you know, they're never going to be able to trace it back to me that I'm looking into this data and stuff like that. But curiosity kills the cat, right? So mm-hmm. he, he's looking up stuff. So if that is indeed the case, we know that you, she's always on your mind. Maybe something you remember, something, something that you know, that reminds you of her and what you did to her and this horrific crime and this horrific thing in my mind that you've done to multiple children, you know, you'll never have peace. You will never have mm-hmm. peace. You you may or may not feel remorseful. I don't really know. There's just the peace that you had died when you killed Amber. And so, and whatever other children you hurt. Yeah, so you're going to live this life just tormented by what you've taken and and amber's life and the will always 
means something to everyone. And unfortunately, it didn't mean anything to you, but it enhances the rest of us. Yep. That's exactly right. Very well said. And not creepy at all. Thanks. <laughs> no, no, that was very, very well said. Because at the end of the day, that's that's how it is. Because he'll, if he is out there and he is listening, he knows people are looking for him. Absolutely. And he knows people are piecing that shit together. There's been more than one case with more amount of years that have gone by that people get caught. All it takes yeah. is that one thing. That's right. I just hope that that happens before he dies. Because the murder happened here in Texas, it'll be swift. Oh, yeah. That's how Texas it's- rolls. <laughs> 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 like, no bullshit. Like, I admire Texas because, like, legit, man. Like, they do not fuck around. If they know within a reasonable doubt, or if you are seen doing the crime or you confess to it, you're on the fast track, man. Absolutely. And I'm not just talking about through the justice system. Mm-mm. Yeah, you're on the fast track. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes that's child killers, child rapists, you know, nah. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Doesn't work that way. Uh-uh. But I guess, uh, I don't know, I suppose that's about all I got for this one, Brandy. How about yourself? Yeah. That's about all I've got. Just a little bit of aggression and high blood pressure right now. <laughs> oh, I, I, I definitely feel you. I'm actually very proud of myself for not fucking breaking down and having to stop recording for a minute because oh, I, I about I, did. I cracked, I cracked a couple times. Like I felt it in my voice. I cracked a couple times, but I held my shit together. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I suppose do you want to say goodbye to everybody, Brandy? Thank you very much. By the way, um, you came professional like you had your shit together um and you did a phenomenal fucking job so thanks so much i i i just want to say that you know i hope that we keep this case alive i hope that uh that's you know it continues to to change people's life and impact them in a in a positive way and you know i hope that the killer is found I, i i do and i hope that he gets my message but you know as of right now we can focus on on this never happening to another child well i think the best part about this podcast is after people hear that guy's name there's gonna be a lot of fucking googling going on (laughs) there's gonna be a lot of amateur fucking web sleuths that are gonna hunt this motherfucker down i love it i do too brandy like i said thank you very much you did a phenomenal job you picked like one of the saddest fucking cases i've ever done but definitely one that i do not regret you choosing because i had known about this case i was you know about 15 when it happened so i was i was familiar with it as it happened and um as a parent now i am so thankful for the amber alert so thankful i don't know i guess uh with all that being said Brandy, I will see you on the flip side. And all you listeners, I will see you as well. Bye.